Tired of hearing the same old takes from the same old people? Looking to add some humor, culture, and energy to your daily grind? Your search just might be over. At Rise Network, we're a global multimedia platform for the best and most diverse voices in sports, entertainment, and pop culture. Podcasts, streams, articles, reviews, you name it, we do it. Visit us at Rise Network US on all social media platforms or visit www.riseNetworkUS.com for more info. What are you waiting for? Come on and rise with us. The Upside Swings Draft Podcast is the official NBA Draft Podcast of the Rise Entertainment Network. Hello everybody, welcome back to the Upside Swings NBA Draft Podcast, the podcast of the highest ceiling. And a part, a part of the first week of college basketball is in the books. We are on Halftime Live, you can expect this every week, we're going to be doing college uh, G League Ignite overseas recaps, keeping up with prospects. Uh, it's great. Um, I'm in the process of moving, so I was a little late on this, um, but that's okay. We're kind of getting started, and we're talking about some fun, some fun college guys. So, I think we we can all agree that the first big prospect game of the of the college season was Kentucky versus Duke. Um, Stone, I'm gonna throw it to you. Just kind of, what were your general impressions of this game as a whole, and sort of, did you see what you wanted to see? Um, no, (laughs) but, uh, my general impression of this game was that, uh, I think everybody was pretty solidified in their pre-draft evaluations with Paolo Banchero. Um, he's clearly the number one guy in this class. Uh, I think all of the flashes, especially offensively that he showed pretty much solidified that, um, there are some things to nitpick, but. For the most part, I felt like he was obviously the standout guy, and that's who everybody was watching the game for, probably for the majority of people. So, um, I, I think he did his part to to sort of look the part as the number one pick. Um, the other guy I was pretty focused on. Well, there is a lot, but <laughs> the other guy uh, I, I really had high hopes for that um, didn't really live up to my expectations was Ty Ty Washington. Uh, he had a really rough game. I did like the fact that John Calipari sort of let him play through his mistakes. Um, I think that's going to be important throughout the season where he's going to have to fine-tune some things and letting him play through a lot of the mistakes that he makes is uh, a good way of coaching if you're preparing your guys for the NBA. Um, I, I think that what I wanted to see from Tai Tai defensively translated, offensively it was just a really rough night overall, so... Um, he didn't quite live up to the expectations there. Yeah, and we should say it's early, right? Like we're, I, I don't think there's too many conclusions we're going to draw from the first game of the year other than some of these guys look exactly how we expected. Um, so I, I suppose we should just start off, dive deep into Paolo. Um, I would say he mostly looked how we expected, just, just a physically imposing player. I mean, he's 6'10". Just like he looks like he spent five years in a college weight room. Like he looks like as big as Oscar Shibway. And that's that's pretty impressive. Um, he really flashed some shot making. The mid-range jumper was falling. He didn't really hit from three. But I mean, when you're hitting like like jab step stutter rip pull ups from from like 18 feet, you're not that far away from just hitting good spot of three pointers. I think he's going to get there just fine. Um, I think. 
the playmaking was maybe a little less than advertised so far. I think he's going to take a second to adapt to the NCAA game. That's not abnormal um, for someone who has kind of been so physically dominant their whole career that they've never had to make really rapid decisions. But there was a couple he was just a step late as a processor making the decision. Um, but I, I would say, like, if you wanted, like, your first pick to have, like, or, you know, your projected number one overall pick to have a game performance, first game performance, it would be this. It looked impressive. I thought he was composed out there, and he was, I would say, overall the best player on the court. Um, and that's saying something because there are veterans on both teams, and he was he was the real standout both as a prospect and um, and like a player in general. So, Stone, if you have anything to add to that. Um, yeah, I mean, a, a lot of what I liked from Paulo was sort of how he got himself open. I think um, there's some, particularly one play where uh, he has just amazing footwork and he's able to get himself a mid-range jumper pull up from the free throw line area and um, obviously capitalized on it. So things like that, that is really going to propel him as the number one pick. If you're uh, taking a number one pick, I think the majority of the time teams are sort of hoping that they get um, somebody to generate offense a large portion of the time. And Paolo doing that in his first game was really impressive. Uh, I, the other guy that I watched in this game too is Mark Williams uh, very closely. I'm sure we'll get to him more as we go on, but um, not super impressed by him. Um there are some lapses defensively. I don't think he's quite the savant that some people think. Um, he had some major lapses defensively in terms of like rotating or switching onto a guy. Um, not a guy I think that really has the sort of switchy upside that maybe like someone in years past that he may get uh, compared to like a Isaiah Jackson. I don't think he has sort of that switchy upside that Isaiah Jackson may or may not have. Um, he had some good rim deterrent plays, uh, but nothing that really, uh, was like amazing to me at all. So, um, just not super impressed with him. He did have a uh, nice play under the rim where he stripped someone of the ball. So I think just more consistency in terms of defensive awareness is what I'm going to really be focusing on with him. Yeah, I, I think for me, Williams is still kind of exactly what I think he is. And that's like a solid like rim runner who doesn't really do a lot else. Um, you know, I think he makes the right decision as a passer. I think some people have extrapolated that into he's a good passer. And I don't think that's the same thing. Um, he didn't really pass much flashing in this game at all. Flash much passing in this game at all. Excuse me. Um he had moments like there's this one play where he ran a pick and roll with Trevor Keels and Keels threw a lob and it was off. And instead of trying to do too much and either grab it and come down with it or, or try and make a dunk, he had no chance to, he did a good job to just sort of tap it off the glass, got in, got the two points all the same. I like stuff like that, but to be, to be a big who I'm like really into, you have to be so good. And I just, he looked pretty bad defensively away from the rim. And even at the rim, if it wasn't like a drive straight at him, at him I didn't think he looked particularly good. So, you know, out is a strong word. I, I would never say I'm out on Mark Williams, but like 
he would have to do a lot to get into that first round area that some people have him at. And I just didn't see it. I think there's some other, even returning bigs who have a better shot at that. Um, one who will maybe dive into it and move on to another game. But uh, I brought up Trevor Keels. I think he is maybe the biggest winner from this first week of college basketball in terms of just like, you know, where he started and, and where he's already at. I mean, I would say, like, I wouldn't be surprised. I haven't looked if like, those mainstream consensus mock drafts already had him as a first round pick after dropping, I think 25 points, a couple assists playing really good defense on tie tie. Um, just like really good all around. I was really impressed. You know, I'm not someone, like I said, who puts too much stock into these games, but for someone of his age with how young he is and how physically imposing he is, I, I was really impressed. So stone, if you have any, uh, keels takeaways. Um, to be honest, I was kind of going in this game blind with Trevor Kills. I hadn't really watched a whole lot of him beforehand. Uh, but So it's really tough for me because I'm trying to not like go over the top with how much I like Trevor Kills in one game uh, because I don't really have anything else to sort of compare and contrast it to. Um, but yeah, in this game, he was excellent. He, he uh, The self-creation uh, defensively, I thought he looked pretty um, good too. Uh, in terms of, like, uh, some off-ball stuff, uh, recognizing where to be in placement and things like that. And then uh, a transfer offensively, too. Uh, just sort of really knowing where to be on the court, I think, um, is a big part of, like, what got him those good looks. So, uh, again, I'm, I'm trying not to go overboard with how much I like Trevor Kills uh, after one game because I, I literally haven't seen any uh, film of him before in this game. Uh, but he looked the part of like a first rounder to me. So I was um, pretty impressed. So Keels is one of those guys who I had seen, I had seen a little bit of in high school. And he's one of those guys who, because he doesn't have like one nuclear skill and he's not like six ten or, or six nine and, and is like a full on wing. He has to be so good at everything. And I would say in, in this game, particularly, he looked really good at everything. Um, he's not an elite athlete, but he is really strong. He used his strength well as a finisher. And then especially on defense, I mean, sometimes he would just like, like flow through screens. He, like he was really difficult to screen as a point of attack defender. I thought, you know, didn't do anything special off the ball defensively, but uh, you know, at a certain point you're kind of, you're kind of picking nits. He didn't do anything horrible over there either. Um, and then I was really impressed by his poise in, in, in the pick and roll. Um, he had a couple nice passes. He even had one that was sort of manipulative where he was patient enough to wait for, he made the big defender commit to him as he sort of rose in the air like he was going to shoot. And then he dumped it down to Theo John. I thought that was really, really impressive. Um, he just like, he did everything well. It's hard to point to a whole, uh, I think, what we're going to need to see with Keels, it's really going to determine what level of prospect he is, is like how good of a shooter is he? And that's something we're going to need more time to see. I, you know, he was hot this game. He had some really tough shots to step back where he looked really good, but that's something you need to see more of because again, he's not like a nuclear athlete. He's just really strong and you have to be a good shooter in the NBA. If, if you're going to play his role and you're not an elite passer or an elite athlete like you have to be a good shooter but if he's a good shooter and he's a good passer and he's a fine ball handler he can slash he can defend I mean 
you start to paint the picture and he's super young. You start to paint the picture of someone who like is probably a top 20 guy. Um, so I'm confident saying he was the big winner of this first week of college basketball because he did the most to sort of outshine expectations. Um, he was someone who I didn't really have as a first round who I didn't think would be one and done. I think the injury to Adrian Griffin Jr. helps him a little bit because it gives him more of a role. Um, and uh, he, he really impressed me. Um, someone who did not impress me. Well, oh, Stone, if you have something else to say, go ahead. Oh, I, I was just going to sort of expand on that in terms of how do you think Keel's – how do you think Adrian Griffin Jr.'s return affects Keel's throughout the season? Do you think that maybe that prevents him from being a one-and-done type guy? Um, because that's sort of my concern with Kills is like maybe he's just not going to get this sort of opportunity moving forward once uh, Griffin comes. I would say he showed enough that that shouldn't be that big of a concern. Like, I think he could play point guard for this team with the, just the amount of playmaking. I mean, you could run Keels, Wendell Moore, Adrian Griffin Jr., Paolo, and Mark Williams as a lineup, and I think that works fine. Um, like, like, he, like Jeremy Roach looked really, really bad. He's not someone we'll dive into, but he just looked really uncomfortable out there. Um, and, like, if that's the case, then why would Coach K play him? I mean, this this is not – obviously, it's his last shot because it's – you know, he's retiring. But, like, this team has a legit shot to win a national title with the talent. So, like, you know, I don't think he's going to mess around and play Jeremy Roach because he's technically the point guard and Trevor Keels is more of a wing, like – Keel showed enough to me that I think you can trust him to play a point guard role and just sort of like let the overall playmaking and ball handling on this roster make up for the fact that he's not like going to run a million pick and rolls. I mean, there wasn't a pick and roll he ran in this game that looked bad. So I I think it's, I, I think he should be fine if he continues up a similar level of. Yeah, I think it's going to be a lot more of, playmaking by committee with this team um, because they don't really have that that one guy to lean on I think um, and I think you can even see more possibly of like Paolo actually running pick and rolls uh, I mean maybe not like consistently but I think that there's room and opportunity for that to happen throughout the season because uh, I think Paolo although he's not like an elite passer or anything, I think he's capable of, of pulling weight in that area. So I think that's something that we can just possibly count on seeing throughout the season. Yeah, I think I'm on the same page with you. Um, so someone who did not impress us as much and honestly really worried me because he is older for his class and I feel like he he has to figure this out really quickly. Um, and, and, and the the issues he showed to me looked more systemic, but he's someone who I know you're really high on. It's Ty Ty Washington. Um, Ty Ty had a bad shooting game, um, and he wasn't really getting all the way to the rim, and that hurt his distribution. Um, overall, it was sort of an up and down game for Ty Ty. I don't think this was like like so miserable that he's not a prospect. Like, because I think there's moments where the shot is going to fall. He didn't look like Caleb Love out there, where he was kind of doing nothing. Um, but it's, it was worrying and it is worrying and he's going to have to turn it around quickly. So what, what did you see from Ty Ty out there? And does it, does it worry you at all with where you, um, my bigger worry in this first game about Ty Ty was 
the fact that I did learn that he's a year older than I previously thought. The fact that he's turning 20 uh, in the next week is not super encouraging um, because the people, well, there's some people that will argue like the difference between 18, 19, and 20, it's not that big of a deal. I disagree. Um, when you get into like 21, 22, maybe it's, it's less of a deal because you're more of a finished product by then. But in the earlier stages of like 18 to 20, the developmental gr- uh, growth curve is going to be substantially hindered by one year. Like that's that's a big year of development that is not what we thought it would be with Tai Tai because we thought he was a year younger. So there, the things that he needs to work on, there's less time and room to grow in that regard because of his age. So um, that was sort of my, my first big concern. But going back to the game, um, yeah, he did not look good offensively. Um, defensively, I was actually somewhat encouraged. Um, I, I thought that he – what I liked about him defensively coming into this game, what I have seen a lot of him in high school, was that his gambles typically pay off. Like when he gambles on the defensive end, he's usually going to come out with a steal. Um, he's pretty smart about his gambles. So that seemed to sort of hold up on this this game too. Um, I also liked that Calipari like put big minutes on his plate. Um, I think that was sort of a concern with Kentucky was that they have a lot of guards. Maybe he's just not going to get a whole lot of usage or, or playing time. Uh, but he obviously trusted Ty Tate throughout the whole game. Uh, and at halftime, Calipari was saying, you know, he's trying to do too much and that's because I'm asking him to do too much. And you could kind of see it on the court. I felt like Tate was forcing a lot um, and not really letting the natural flow of the game come to him. So maybe it's kind of a bit of both. Maybe it's Calipari asking him to do too much and Tate just putting too much on himself and not really adjusting to the college game yet. Um, so if we you know, continue to see Calipari letting him work through his issues uh, throughout the season, I think that's a really encouraging sign. Um, but yeah, it was it was overall just a pretty poor game from Tai Tai uh, for the first game. Yeah, I mean it was rough for him. I'll say I I thought he was more valuable than Kellen Grady out there, so I don't think it was wrong for Calipari to um, to to just sort of let him work through things. Um, I think my my issue with Tai Tai is that like there were so many plays where it's like you just got to get he just needed to get one more step or like one more move. And it's like, he was just, he was just pushing himself a little too quickly. You know, he took a floater when one more step would have made the big decide and he could either get an easier layup and a foul or dump it off and get an assist. But instead he took the floater and he didn't make the big choose. I think that's maybe something he can figure out, but sometimes like guards really just struggle with that. Um, so I, I'm interested to see how that goes for him. I'm I'm hopeful. I really still buy Ty Ty as this crafty scoring guard who can pass. Um, I think there's a chance he's the second best guard in this class, but I also think there's a chance he's not really a first rounder still. Um, and it's going to be really interesting to see um, how 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 this season goes for him. Um, I think I think he is a good fit um, with Kentucky, and I like the roster around him, especially when CJ Frederick comes back. Um, 
you know, don't love Oscar Sheboy. But other than that, you know, a uh, pretty big fan of, of how this Kentucky team looks. It's just going to be um, – it's just going to be interesting to see how his season goes. I think he's definitely the one prospect – I mean, unless you wanted to talk about Adrian Griffin Jr. and his, like, 12 minutes. You know, those are, those are the two guys, but specifically Ty Ty, who you're just – you leave with major questions in this game. You know, Keels has the one question. Paolo, I mean, there's not really a question. It's just, like, is he one or two, you know? We'll talk about the other guy who I think might be competing with him for the top pick in this draft here in a second. But um, it's just it's it's interesting and, and it'll be interesting to watch. Um, Stone, do you have any other notes from this? Um, the other note, I, I guess my final guy that I kind of wanted to hit on real quickly was Wendell Moore. Um, he's someone I was really high in high school. Uh, but he seemed to, you know, sort of plateau in his couple of years at Duke and Seemed to this game sort of figure it out finally. I was pretty impressed. Um, I don't know what, what your thoughts were, but uh, for one game into this season, I was pretty encouraged by what Wendell Moore sort of had put together and uh, shored up some of his weaknesses. Yeah, I mean, I, I Wendell Moore is like the stereotype of a guy I would like, right? Like, like 3 and D plus type. Um, I thought... The handle looked a little better, but it was less even the handle and more just like he was just more decisive. You know, when he would attack on a on a rip through or like like a jab step move, like he would just attack. He would just get going. He wasn't sort of questioning himself. Um, he just looked more composed out there. And I think that's been a big issue with Wendell Morris. He's always just looked like he was kind of playing out of his shoes a little bit. So it was good to see him slow down. Um, you know, I, I still don't see like a lot of playmaking upside there. And the defense, like, didn't – I didn't love how he looked defensively. Um, he wasn't bad by any means, and he's still 6'6 and a good athlete with long arms. But, like, I I would like to see him take another step defensively. But, yeah, I mean, I, I was I was impressed considering I was – I was really teetering on just out on Wendell Moore because I thought, you know, I'd given him two years and he hadn't really put anything together. I thought he might end up out of the rotation this year. Um, you know, but he looked a lot better than Joey Baker, so he should find himself firmly in the rotation. Um, and, and I w- I was impressed. I think, you know, if things go really well for Duke this year, I mean, they could they could be producing five first round picks. Um, and, and you know, I think Wendell Moore has a chance to end as a you know first rounder on my board if he continues playing like this. Um, you know, just a decisive mid range score who I believe still can stretch out the three and can slash a little bit. Like it was, it was an impressive showing from him and one he really needed. Cause I think they talked about this on the broadcast. Like he does need to be the leader on this team. He's sort of the elder statesman of that starting group. And I think they're going to go to him for tough buckets down the line. And, and he looked like he could get some uh, the other night. So I, I was impressed with one no more. All right. Uh, anything else stone? No, that was, that was all I had. All right, so we'll kind of move a little more quickly sort of around college. Uh, I know Stone hasn't seen a ton. I've only seen like half as much as I wanted to because uh, I'm moving this week, so it's been really busy, but that's okay. Uh, the one guy who's really stood out was Jabari Smith Jr. Um, he, <laughs> he might be the guy competing with Paolo for me for that top pick. I mean, the shot looks legit. He looked really, really good defensively. Uh, and made some good decisions on offense. Like he's not just like three and D no upside or the only upside is 
scoring for himself. Like he, I think he can really pass. Um, I was super impressed by Jabari Smith Jr. Just, just everything about him screams, you know, like you just bet on this type of guy. He just, he has so many things well, and he has like, like the inherent upside and the inherent floor that it's just, it's so enticing for me. And, and Coop, if he was here, he'd be gushing about this with me, I'm sure, because he loves Jabari Smith and we both love these sort of archetypes. So Stone, I don't know if you've seen much. I'm sure you've at least seen some of the highlights floating around. Um, Did you, do you have much take on, on how Jabari Smith? Yeah, um, I didn't see the the full game, unfortunately. That's uh, <laughs> when once um draft like season is fully in swing, it's gonna be me probably spending like eighteen hours a day watching film. But um, I, I did see some highlights. Jabari Smith too is obviously like sort of the intersection of where you and me meet in terms of the prospects that we like because he's so fundamentally sound. Um, he's such a high field player that I think that's sort of the ideal prospect that I like um and he like especially defensively was most of the highlights that I had seen from that game and he's the way he slides his feet and for me a thing with guys is like pre-positioning and his foot placement in terms of like where he's gonna set himself up for like two steps ahead defensively was really impressive to me um he was like sliding his feet around the perimeter um, blocking off any sort of probes from opposing guards. So those things in particular defensively were just really uh, enticing and encouraging to me. Yeah, I, I think we're on the same page. And I'll also note that um, I was really impressed with uh, Walker Kessler at Auburn too. Um, I just think, you know, I might've been underrating him. He is like a real, real good shooting big who, moves well enough that like I think he can play fine defense you know like like he's a better athlete than like Nikola Vucevic not that he's the passer or player Vuce is but like I don't know I was impressed with with Walker I think uh you know Mike Gribb is a huge fan um and that that should tell me that I was probably too low um I think he's a real talent I think the the Auburn front court is going to be really good and I think they're going to be a really good team um, so moving on, we're just going to hit on some other kind of guys around the top. Patrick Baldwin Jr. played his first game. Uh, it was like, like the video I could get was horrible, um, because he plays at the university of Milwaukee, Wisconsin and, uh, you know, hard, hard to get like real good video there, but he looks good. He's 6'10 and he can really shoot. And he also like handles better than. You know, he's got a ton of Michael Porter Jr. comparisons. I think that's always going to be unfair because if EJ was like an absurd athlete before um, he was at least a, a really absurd vertical athlete before the back stuff. And, and uh, you know, I don't want to I don't dive too deep into comparisons, but like he can kind of dribble, too. And he makes decisions out of pick and rolls like I think I really love the Milwaukee, Wisconsin context for him because he's just going to get all the usage in the world, you know, not just because he's at a small school, but because he's playing for his dad, you know how that tends to go. Um, and it's just like, he looks really impressive. He's another guy who might, who might be fighting for top five. Uh, it, I, I don't know how much you saw stone, but I just left really impressed. And uh, I, I think that I was, you know, I had him like top eight and I was probably underrating him. And I think you were probably closer to right. 
because uh, you had him. I think you had him top five on the preseason board. Uh, he just looks really impressive in, in a lot of different ways. And those are just the types of guys you bet on. So uh, if you have any thoughts, Stone, go. Yeah, uh, I didn't. I think I saw like three total highlights of him and they were all like super grainy. Um, It looked like it was filmed underwater. But uh, yeah, he he looked really impressive in those sort of three highlights. It was just mostly him shooting. um, And that's, you know, really what his calling card was uh, coming into college. I did have him top five. I feel like that's sort of maybe I'm going to be lower. There's a lot of room for him to go possibly up like to top two. Um, he's he's really uh, looked the part of a top five pick in the first game, I think, from, again, the underwater sort of highlight film that I watched. But uh, I'm really hoping that he's going to be able to consistently be the guy for, for Milwaukee because um, I, I feel like his draft stock can really – solidify in in NBA front offices minds as like a top five type of yeah and and you know some people have concerns about like playing level and stuff and I don't when evaluating a player as like an offensive prospect where it's going to get harder is evaluating what he really is defensively but honestly when you're 6'10 move and shoot and play like he does like you'll you can kind of figure out the defensive stuff right like Michael Porter Jr. should be a horrible defender, but he's fine because he's 6'10". Like, it, you know, and, and he moves okay enough that he can just figure it out. Um, it's hard to evaluate the lower-level comps, like just how good a defender someone is, I think. But offensively, like, there's still some athletes down there who will challenge him. You know, WSU just played, like, Alcorn State, which is, you know, about the same level as, like, a, a University of, you know, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and... It's like the skill level is lower on that team, but the athleticism is is solid. So it's, you know, like you kind of get mixes and it's obviously lower level than what Duke is playing. But I'm not one who buys into that like low competition level. Like I automatically have to lower his stock. I mean, look at John Moran. You know, it's at a certain point he's 6'10 and doing this shit. He just he's good. Um I'm trying to, like, there's no one out. Maybe Caleb Houston is, like, the last guy we should talk about. Um, I didn't see enough of Moussa Diabate, but uh, I heard he played he played well. But Caleb Houston, a lot of people are really impressed with, did more than just shoot standstill threes. So I think that's, that's important. Um, had this one play out of a pick and roll or, like, a DHO-type set that people really liked. I'll say that, like, I've watched that clip, like, eight times now, and – his part of it doesn't really impress me. The Jawan Howard part that he drew up that awesome play really impresses me. But I mean, he was kind of distilled down to two reads and he, he made the right one. Uh, any, anyways, I'm not going to like, I need to fight over the semantics of evaluating players off a single play, but you know, he, he looked impressive. Uh, he is six, eight and shoots like he does. And he looked, he looks better as a mover than I expected. Um, I thought he might kind of take a second to adapt to the college athleticism um, so Stone, if, if you saw any Caleb, you- um, I did not. Uh, so I, I don't really have any comments on this. I just haven't really seen uh, much highlights or for the Michigan game. I just haven't had a lot of time over the past couple of days, so uh, I don't really have any any thoughts on Houston other than I do feel like that pre college, a lot of people, us included 
sort of relegated him to being like he, all he can do is shoot. Where I do think there's a little bit more upside of like on ball creation than maybe some people realize. Um, and I'm hoping to sort of see that flourish uh, during his his freshman season here. Um, but the last guy I think we should hit on, I don't know if you saw anything, uh, was Chet Holmgren because I know he had like an insanely massive stat line. So uh, do you, did you have any thoughts or did you see anything? He looked good, but he was also playing Dixie yeah. State. <laughs> and like they're like, like real, real bad. So I, I kind of want to pump the brakes because – Chet looked good, but he didn't do anything to address my concerns of him, right? Like, he, like that one game, he did exactly all the things that I think he does well, and he didn't address he – didn't, he didn't have to address any of the weaknesses. You know, like, that's not a slight to him. Like, oh, why weren't you sliding with elite guards on the perimeter? Or, you know, why weren't you banging with post down low? Well, Dixie State didn't have any who were challenging him. You know, that's like, that's not like a slight to him, but it's also like, you know, it's not a first game I take much away from other than, yeah, I mean, he's like, if it wasn't for the fact he sandwiched in between Evan Mobley and Victor Wembanyama, he'd be considered an elite shot blocking, like, like a generational shot blocking talent. Like his timing is absurdly perfect. Uh, there wasn't one block where you're like, oh, like maybe he should have done this instead. No, every single Every single time a, a Dixie State player entered the paint, you're like, oh, Chet did the exact thing he should have done. It's it's textbook. It's perfect. Like, he, he is special in that aspect. Still really worried. He's not a very good athlete. Um, and the shot is still – like, the shot is one of those things that's going to take a full season sample to really know what level of shooter he is. And even that probably isn't enough because, you know, college season samples aren't always great. Like, I, I don't know. That's that's a that's a topic for another day. How we evaluate college shooting samples, but uh, they tend to not be the most indicative things in the world. Um, but Chet looked good, but he didn't like. This wasn't Trevor Keels, where it's like, oh, this prospect might be something completely different than I realized through this one game. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anyone else you should really hit on. I mean, I saw a game in person. Uh, there's like kind of three prospects on that WSU team, which feels crazy to say, but you know, Noah Williams, he, yeah, he looked, he did not look very good, I guess, but like he kind of like didn't really look like he was trying against team like Alcorn State. It looked like he was deferring to the guards and, and, and the guys newer to the team to try and get them acclimated. So whatever. Uh, Muhammad Gay didn't play a ton, had one really good post fade that reminded me of Kai Jones. And then I had to like stop myself because. Uh, I can't. I can't put that on my boy. Um, but nobody is. And then, <laughs> and then FA had like a cool dunk, and yeah. Uh, but you know, like it's Alcorn State. There's not that much to take away. Um, so there's not like a, a ton that stands out to me uh, right now. It's it's early. A lot of these early games are bad teams playing good teams, um, and then you have the occasional. You know, I haven't watched Michigan State Kansas yet. I heard Max Christie didn't look great. Um, you know, I, I'm notoriously not super high on Max Christie, not notoriously, but had a couple of different people like kind of DM me, like, why are you so low on Max Christie? Um, but you know, we'll, we'll see, we'll see. Uh, it's, there's still a long season. We're going to be doing this college recap every two to three weeks, depending on how we're feeling. I think next week we'll probably do a G League Ignite recap. Um, so look out for that. Uh, Stone, if you have anything you want to add before we get out of here. Uh, I 
would say follow us on TikTok um, too because we're doing some really cool stuff there. Um, it's just at Upside Swings, like our Twitter. Um, Cooper, who's not with us today, is going to be you know putting up some pretty cool content. Just did a breakdown on a 14-year-old from Senegal or, or Sudan, excuse me. Um, and, you know, that's that's pretty cool. So if you're into that sort of thing, if you're super draft nerdy like us, then check it out. If not, also check it out. Uh, and also be sure to keep coming to these live shows because they're a lot of fun for us to do and hopefully for you as yeah, absolutely. And I will say that we'll kind of, like I said, this week has been absolutely busy for Sean and I, but as things sort of settle down, especially towards that kind of December, January range when college basketball is really hitting up, heating up and we're getting good looks at a lot of these prospects. We're going to do some live shows during games like we did that first year night game. Um, I thought that was a blast. It it was a bit of a mess because I came in in the middle and it I didn't end up posting it as a pod, but I think that if, if if we set it up right and I can be home in time and relax, then uh, it would turn out really well. So keep, keep an eye out for that too. Like if there's any games you like really want us to go live for that we think we can get access to uh, DM us and we'll figure something out. But yeah, uh, this has been the upside swings podcast. Uh, we hope we hit our ceiling. Thank you.